everyone, welcome to another episode of Trick Talks. My name is Barbara Lally, and today we are going to speak with Holly. So we're going to give Holly a few moments to join in on the live, and then we are going to get started. I see her now. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. I'm super excited. You ready to get started? 100%. Okay. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about your trick when you first started, where you pulled from, things like that. So I, I usually tell people about uh, my first memory of hair pulling, like my very first one. And uh, I want to say it was about the fourth grade. Um, I, I can't really tell us sometime in elementary school. And uh, when I was when I was little, I, I have two older siblings and one of my siblings is six years older and the other is eight years older. And uh, my mom was a stay at home mom. My dad was active duty in the military. So he was gone a lot. And there was this one particular night where I was struggling through a math worksheet. And I remember it so vividly. I was sitting there on my couch and I had my left arm kind of resting on the couch because I was trying to do this homework super late at night and I was really tired and I was sitting there like this and I was struggling through the worksheet and I was getting so frustrated, you know, that kind of childish anger, frustration, you just like red face and you start mm -hmm. to like tear up like that kind of frustration. And um, I like just didn't have a way to cope with that frustration. And part of a huge part of the frustration that that was coming up for me was actually coming from a, a fear of failure because I didn't want to fail the worksheet, right? Like I didn't want to, you know, not be able to do it and get a bad grade because I'm a good girl and, you know, I get good grades. So there was the motivation behind that. And when I felt scared because I couldn't do the worksheet, I, I started getting so upset and I started crying. And when I was crying, I was like rubbing my face, but I was also really angry because I was like, I need to do this. I want to do this. Why can't I figure this out? And eventually it just turned into ripping out the sides of my eyebrows. And um, immediately, as soon as I did that, it was like something clicked in my brain and was like, holy cow, what was that? <laughs> and it distracted me enough to stop thinking about the worksheet. And so immediately it kind of brought me this relief from my problem that I was facing, my current problem. Um, and then on top of that, the sensation of pulling out for whatever reason, you know, gave me a sense of physical relief because I was having such an intense emotion over my body. So the only thing that could you know, match that and help release it with something also very intense with, you know, the feeling of the hair coming out. So that was my very first memory ever of pulling and it didn't really move past the eyebrows. It was just the outsides, you know, until I got so tired and I accepted my, you know, failure on the worksheet and I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to bed. And so it really started then. And I think that one particular memory just kind of like 
wound its way up in the in the depths of my brain and it just carried on through the rest of my school years because that was the coping mechanism that I had for you know stress the stresses of school and um, my own personal pressures of perfectionism um, and you know wanting to do my best and uh, and to prove myself because I was the youngest child of three children and my two older siblings were you know great students and you know they were smart and artistic and um, and I just you know wanted to be like them and and so I was always always wanting to perfect myself and always you know really hard on myself and so when I couldn't meet up to those standards or if, if I even thought about that, I would get stressed about it. And, uh, and then it just kind of started this very, very uh, quick cycle where that became my coping me- mechanism for school and then for this and for this and for this and for this. And so it became like all encompassing mm-hmm. um, until pulling out my hair became a response to so many different things that I was like, I can't stop. How would I, how am I ever going to stop if, if this is, this is what I do for all these different things. Number one, when I was a kid, I was so confused. I was like, why, you know, I, I was thinking in terms of the very traditional medical model of, you know, this is the problem and this is the solution. Here's the pill. And it's only these two things, right? Like it's only, it's only that. Um, but trick is a very complex condition because it's so unique to the individual and it can formulate at any point in your life. It's just that there's, there's certain times where you're more primed to develop it. Um, and it's so all encompassing. And so more recently in my journey, I'm, I'm a polar of 16, about 16 years now. Um, I've come to terms with the fact that pulling is more or less in lines of an addiction, right? Like it's, it's kind of like an, a, a lifestyle and it's not just something that we can't help ourselves from doing. We actually get some sort of benefit from it. And so I think that is something that we need to, to talk about more in the community about it being more of an addiction um, because we do get something out of it. When, when we consider a trick as just something really bad and it's a condition that I have and I don't know how to fix it. I can't stop. Um, but, and I don't want it. We're totally glossing over the fact that it is benefiting us in some way. Otherwise we would not use it. Like our brains are way smarter than that. <laughs> like it's not going to desire and hold on to something that gives you no benefit whatsoever. So part of my healing process has been figuring out what benefit it has given me. And, you know, aside from the obvious, you know, physical relief and the soothing, you know, sensations and stress of relief that it has, um, my, my journey has been asking myself questions of, okay, how did I get to this point? Like, how did I even get to the mindset of, of that, that led to the hair pulling, right? Mm -hmm. That, created the right environment for an addiction to surface. And there's, there's, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> and I'm already talking a lot. So please feel free to cut me off at any time because I have so many notes. I was so excited to do this today. <laughs> no, this is great. I really love um, how you put that when you said at first it started because of this, but then I used it for so many other things that now I just don't know how to stop. And I think mm-hmm. it's so important to say that because I'm sure you get messages from people as well. How do I stop this? And it's mm-hmm. like, 
I, I don't know. Like, I'm still right, right. my best, <laughs> you know. And I think, too, when you said it was, it's, it is very individualized, even though, you know, you might start at the same spot. Like you said, you just keep adding different ways. And I do, the thing that I, I struggle with, you know, sometimes is that I do like it. Like, I like to do it. Like, I find yep. joy in doing it. And so that's right. one of those things where you tell the doctor that, and they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, I yeah. like to do this. And so, yeah, I, I know. I really love what you're saying. Let's, you know, I would, yeah. I would hear more. From yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, First of all, I just want to thank you so much for admitting that and agreeing with me because I feel like that we kind of tiptoe around saying that we enjoy it a lot in the community because it has brought us so much grief and so much stress um, that we don't even want to acknowledge that we like it to a degree because we just want it out of our lives so bad. Mm -hmm. And from my experience, that is not the way to heal and it's not the way to stop if you ever want or care to stop is mm -hmm. to reject it completely. Um, I know it sounds cliche, like, oh, you got to love it, you know, you know, love it, and then it'll go away. But it's, it's, it's more than just about loving it or appreciating it, appreciating it. It's about acknowledging its purpose there, and appreciating its purpose in your life. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, that kind of brings us back to how this can pop up for us at any time. Mm -hmm. We develop it as children we can develop it as pregnant you know women or as you know women going through menopause mm -hmm. um it's a thing that is just dormant in our biology um and sometimes in our genetics and that's two different things um that it can it can pop up at any time and i think it's super super important that we get this message out to all women because honestly no woman or man um is is totally free from from having this at any point like anybody can develop this i don't mean that to like scare anybody but it's just so it's so common right mm -hmm. like and it's such a it's such an effective um tool that the mind has in reserve for for stressful situations or for any any situations it's just it's just there and the fact that medicine and society and like mainstream media is not talking about it more um, kind of scares me a little bit because mm -hmm. this is so common um, and such like it, it doesn't need to be this big of an issue as it's been for so many people like I it breaks my heart I see people posting in you know support groups all the time of you know people being bullied about it and I'm like are you kidding me like we have come so far as to with body acceptance and and all of this stuff but trichotillomania is still like left out of the equation mm -hmm. you know and like that that is so um it's so like integrated into what we see as beauty that that needs to change as well. <laughs> yeah. Like that needs to be addressed. And I had a friend during the pandemic, she has like her fake nails and eyelash, eyelash extensions and her eyelash mm -hmm. extensions were growing out and mm -hmm. she's like, try They were like snagging and she like tried to pull the, the extensions at like off and she pulled mm -hmm. her lashes and she texted me right away. And she's like, look, like, I get it. Like, I just pulled so many. I just don't know. Like, I feel the itchy sensation that you talked about. Like, I totally get it. Yeah. And she never experienced that before. But mm -hmm. just that she was like, I had to force myself to stop because I, I liked, like, I feel, I felt like I liked it too. And yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it was an interesting 
text for me because I'm like, oh, you know, like you said, anyone at any point can feel those same sensations that we do. Yes. Yes. And I want to I wanna kind of go off on a little uh, uh, science tangent here, but I am obsessed with the brain and I have been studying the brain for the last like eight years now, ever since high school. Um, and so I read, I read a lot of material and listen to a lot of lectures about neuroscience and, um, you know, and the biology of it as well. And I, I kind of have this theory that the reason why we crave picking and pulling and all that kind of stuff is because it actually is wired to benefit our survival. And, I, and this is based off of something that I've heard um, from, from a, a resource, a scientific resource about scratching. And, and somebody asked the question, you know, why does it feel so good to like scratch an itch, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this is why I'm bringing it up because we use the same even vocabulary, like, you know, the itch of the pull. Mm -hmm. um, the question was, why is it so satisfying to scratch an itch? Well, if you think about it from a very like natural um, you know, realistic perspective of, hey, if there's a bug or some sort of like creature on me and I need to like, you know, get it off before it lays eggs in me, like, a, you know, like a tick or something like that, that is beneficial to our survival. So the sensation of scratching, you know, itching and getting that thing off is actually rewarded in our brains. So 100% we are susceptible to becoming addicted to that. And that's not something to be ashamed of. Um, addiction in, in general is not something to be ashamed of whatsoever. Um, and I can speak from my personal life experience. And I, I just feel like we should not feel ashamed to couple this with the addiction community because we are really all are facing the same internal struggles, whether it's mental health, um, it's, you know, OCD or even the sensation of of an urge like that the urge itself and then the panic that comes after of it oh i can't trust myself i'm a, you know i can't control myself like that's universal to hair pullers and all addicts people who are addicted to food to pornography to drugs alcohol whatever it is like it's the same process and so when i acknowledge that along my journey and i started treating it like an addiction and started to heal from from the ground up so to speak and healing my entire life and lifestyle that's when i started seeing long-term results and it's it's a continuous process <laughs> i say it in classes all the time and you know on on my social media healing is a daily practice it's a lifestyle mm -hmm. and is that how you got into yoga because i know you're a yoga teacher mm -hmm. and you have classes and I would like you to yeah. talk about like when people can go but I also want to know like your transition into that role yeah so it's kind of funny yoga found me um and that's really how it works <laughs> um you can you can go to yoga and get the exercise benefit and become a teacher and do group classes um and you can kind of go that route and take that approach to yoga but the true essence of yoga is, I, I can't even, there's, there isn't even like words to describe. It's spiritual. Mm -hmm. It's spiritual practice is what it is. It's, it's not just the exercises and the poses and everything. It's, that's an extension of what the core of it really is. And so yoga found me because I needed it and mm -hmm. I didn't know it. 
<laughs> so I want to walk you through this kind of crazy story. I, about four years, three or four years ago, I was waiting tables and uh, I had just moved out to this new city that I knew, you know, nobody in. And long story short, I got a job with no, you know, serving experience through a friend. And, um, I would often meet really cool people at, you know, the place that I waited tables. And this one day I had a, a young, you know, younger group of uh, two women come in and sit at my table. And I walked up to them and said, hi, you know, waited their table, blah, 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 came back to give their bill. And they were like, Hey, we have a kind of a crazy question for you. <laughs> like, yeah, shoot, go ahead. They were like, we own a yoga studio and we have been looking for months and months for somebody to do the front desk and we just can't decide on anybody. And they're like, we just love your vibe. You're so like personable and bright and cheery. We would love to have you at our front desk. <laughs> and I, my mouth just dropped and I was like, oh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I want to do it because I was just always so intimidated by, you know, yoga and the poses and the gymnastics of all of it. But I always secretly wanted to do it. Um, but I never admitted it to myself because it was too scary, you know, like mm -hmm. to admit that that's what I wanted. That would mean I'd have to face some pretty big fears of mine. Mm -hmm. um, and one of them, you know, being in a fitness class where I'm sweating a lot, makeup, you know, disintegrating, all of that <laughs> kind of stuff. Um, so, so I started working there and it was about two years in, I had been working the front desk and, um, Around the same time, I was recovering from a back injury, and I was playing around with yoga. I got free yoga at the studio that I worked at, and um, and so yoga was kind of working its way into my life, and I, I had no intentions of becoming a teacher. In fact, the studio owners and all the teachers, they were like, when are you going to get your teacher training? You know, when are you going to start teaching? And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, they hired me because they thought that I would be a teacher. <laughs> And that was not my intention whatsoever. Um, then COVID happened. And right the weekend before I, uh, we went into lockdown where I live, I had just started my fourth part-time job because <laughs> I was kind of lost, still trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And then, so I was like, I'm just going to do everything, <laughs> everything that I want to do, all of it. And so lockdown happens. I lose all my jobs waiting tables. Like I, I go to nothing. <laughs> and so I'm sitting around, I'm like, wow, this is really great. I'm going to have time to, you know, rest and recoup and figure out what I want to do next with my life when we come out of lockdown. And within a week, um, maybe even days after that, I think it's about a week, I saw an ad on Instagram for an online yoga teacher training. And it was unique because the training that um, they were advertising normally is only available at a month long retreat center in Bali, which is amazing, which I would have loved to have done. But because of COVID, they made it half price and they made it available all online. So I sat on it for like 24 hours before I heard the bells and whistles inside saying, do it, you need to do it. And I like rationally kind of justified myself doing it. Cause I'm like, yeah, it would be a great idea because I work in a yoga studio. And if I had training, I know I could sub and, you know, pop in and maybe teach maybe. <laughs> and so I did the training and, uh, a month after I was done with the training, my, the studio owner texts me and she says, we don't have a teacher for tonight. Can you teach the class? <laughs> 
And I said, no, <laughs> I, I was so scared. I was like, I did an online training. I've never taught in a studio. Uh, I was like, I can't, I can't do that. And so hours go by and it's about lunchtime. And I was like, you know what? I just need, I need to do it. And, um, I called her back and I was like, all right, I, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I did it. It went great. And ever since then I have been teaching. Um, and I'll back up a little bit and give you some, some insight as to how my trick yoga came about. So I, I struggled a lot in school, obviously. I, you know, shared with you, my first polling experience was directly related to homework. So my middle school, high school, all of it experience was difficult, secretly difficult. I, I'm pretty smart and I'm a good learner and a good student. I love to learn. Um, but whatever happened in my brain when I was a kid wired me for perfectionism and procrastination. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and so I barely skated by through school and um, with good grades. And then they started to dip in the very end. And so I graduated high school. I didn't go to college for one reason or another. And um, then I found myself in this yoga teacher training six, seven years later after school. And I was super excited because this is something that I really wanted to do. It wasn't something I was being forced to do. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to practice every single day and do all my homework and, you know, be triple A plus student. Um, and that's not how it is. <laughs> For one, that's not what yoga teaches you. It's not about perfection. It's not about grades. It's not about any of that. And I still tried to make it like that. And it smacked me in the face <laughs> because about three weeks in, two weeks into the training for it when it was only a month long, I hit a wall of exhaustion, physical, mental, emotional. And I was like, what the heck is going on? I, I, I couldn't get myself to do the homework without pulling and the, you know, the, the written homework without pulling. And it was really hard for me to get motivated to, to get back into the training. And so I had to take a break from the training uh, altogether. I still did the live classes that we had, but I, I stepped away from, you know, the reading and the homework and all that kind of stuff. And I just practiced the bare minimum meditation and yoga, you know, yoga stuff. And I, I had, I had a breakdown, like I had a massive mental breakdown, panic attack, and I just felt so overwhelmed. And I, I went like deep into a very, very spontaneous depression because I was like, wow, this is something that I really enjoy and I really love. And I still can't get myself to do it. Like I still can't work through the homework, even when I want to do it. I kind of had this crossroads kind of, you know, life changing moment after I sat with that and processed all that. And I realized that I had to use what I was learning in my yoga training to get myself through the training, mm -hmm. to get myself through the homework without pulling. And that's what I did. And I very slowly, you know, made a routine a practice of a, a very certain, you know, kind of practice of you know, meditation and self-reflection 
and, and self-awareness to get myself through all the homework with minimal or no pulling whatsoever. And then when I did finish, I stepped back and I was like, holy crap, I just figured out what I'm supposed to do. And when it was born, really, and, and right away, I was like, I have to share this with all of my hair pulling fellas and ladies <laughs> and, and, and teach people how to use different yoga practices to, to cope with trichotillomania, whether it's the hair pulling itself, the emotional trauma, you know, the, the social trauma, all of it, all of it, all aspects of this struggle and the journey back to healing, back to recovery. Um, and it is just the perfect practice for that. That's awesome. That is great. That's really wonderful. And I do, I want to, can you tell people, like, do you have a schedule that you have, like, you know, every week you have these classes, like, tell them for the people that, like, watch or will watch in the future, like, how to go to your classes? Sure. Yeah, thank you. So um, I, right now, I'm sticking to two live group classes a week, and I use Zoom. Um, I post the schedules once a week, usually on Sundays, so I'll be posting the schedule for this week tomorrow. Um, and the, I do it on Friday, usually from two to three and then Sunday from 10 AM to 11 AM East. This is all Eastern time. Um, but right now my schedule is pretty flexible. So if I have people requesting for other times, like, Hey, I'm in a different time zone. Can you make it this time? I'm more than happy to do that. Cause I still have that flexibility. Um, and so I teach group classes and then I offer, um, private yoga healing sessions. And those are, probably my like favorite thing right now <laughs> because it's one-on-one -on -one and you have the benefit of privacy and also like undivided attention from my end and your end like it's mm -hmm. it's a, it's a perfect student teacher balance where I'm sharing what I know and you're also teaching me about yourself and I can kind of reflect all that back to you and help you figure out exactly what you need in that moment and then overall mm -hmm. and so for a wide variety of different, um, different private sessions. And it's really all based on what kind of healing you're needing. And just because I'm a yoga teacher and my, my mindset is kind of set up in that, in that way, I've kind of divided the types of classes based on the chakras. So for example, if you are somebody who struggles with uh, perfectionism, anxiety, poor concentration, uh, procrastination. I think I said that earlier. Um, I would focus on more of like a mental healing. So the private session would include a lot of self-reflection, meditation, and then also, you know, some other things that help to benefit your mindset. And then of course, if you have struggles with your, your confidence, your self-identity, like who you are as a person, self-love, like that's a whole other approach to healing through certain yoga practices as well. And I've done numerous emotional healing sessions using yoga practices on my own. Mm -hmm. um, and so once I figured out how to do that for myself, then I kind of created these little exercises where I can present them to you based on what you're needing in that moment. So mm -hmm. that's pretty much what I do. <laughs> I love that. That's so awesome. Thank you for doing that for this community. Yeah, for, yeah. Who needs that? Yeah. Now, in the beginning, you spoke about pulling from your eyebrows first. Mm -hmm. I also started there. And when yeah. I got to about like halfway, my mom was like, what is going on? And then instantly doctors, doctors, what is this? You know, and then I found out the name. What was your journey into finding out there was a name for the behavior you were doing? 
So I have a handful of early memories from my childhood. I, I hate to say it, I'm only 25 and my memory is terrible. Um, but I, I will say though that I, I, I had some childhood trauma growing up and I kind of blocked out, a, I consciously tried to block out a lot of, a lot of days from my childhood. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I just remember, I remember pulling from my eyebrows when I was stuck on homework and that started first. And then fast forward, I don't know, maybe a year or two later, um, I just remember my mom used to braid my hair a lot. And there were times where she had discovered a bald patch at the top of you know, the crown of my head. And I don't even remember when I started doing that. Um, I think it was a nighttime thing. It was like a soothing, a soothing sleep thing. Cause I struggled very, very much with falling asleep. I had terrible insomnia. And so my mom was really the first person to discover it. Um, and so she did not take to it very well at first. And I will say my mom is the best mom I could have ever had, anybody could ever have. But my mom did not understand what was going on. And so her reaction to it was, stop doing that or you're grounded. And so I did my best as a perfect little people-pleasing child to stop pulling. And I really struggled in the beginning. And there was a period of time where I was able to stop. Maybe my hormones, you know, leveled out and I was having, you know, an easy time in school. I'm not sure. I don't remember. But there was a period of time where I did stop. And then it came back. And then I was pulling from my eyelashes, my eyebrows, my hair. um, And my mom was like, you really need to stop. You look sick. And Mm -hmm. that really, really stuck with me. And that was like, in my mind, a turning point when I realized that this wasn't like a, just a silly little thing that I do. It was an actual issue. Um, And so in something that I, you know, couldn't control and, and it took a little while for my mom to kind of come up to speed with my awareness as well. Um, Until there was, I think there was maybe one time where I just, I started crying. I was like, mom, I can't stop. And that's when she like had that realization, like, okay, I have been approaching this all wrong and I'm so sorry. And I think it was that day. I remember we, we Googled it and immediately found the term and we looked it up. We found a family, uh, family doctor that I went to for a very short period of time. Um, and, uh, and that's when, that's when I wasn't getting the added stress at home of hair pulling, but the stress of still pulling, still struggling with school. And then now my friends and people that I went to school with were starting to notice. So (laughs) I go from like one pressure at home to the next, like it was never, there was never any, any breather. Mm -hmm. And how did the, how did your friends and everything react? Did people bring it up to you? Did you tell them um, in confidence? How did that go? Um, Again, I don't really remember who or when I told any of my friends. I I kept it very, very secret, as secret as I possibly could. And I think people picked up on that because people knew, and I didn't know people knew until I found out my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. When I gave a speech about it, and we'll talk more about that oh. later. Um, but people came up to me and they were like, I noticed that 
you had missing eyelashes and eyebrows and, you know, I, you know, made judgments and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't remember, I don't really remember telling people. I, I know I did tell a couple people, one of my close friends, but and I don't remember their reaction. Um, if it was a bad reaction, I was not friends with them. <laughs> like it, that's, you know, I had, I had at least that much self confidence to be like, you know, we're not friends if you can't even like be nice to me about this. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I don't, I, it was a very, very deep, dark secret for many, many years. And knowing what I know now, um, I wish somebody had the awareness to tell me to open up about it sooner because now I'm starting to realize that I think trichotillomania plays a big part in PTSD. Um, I think it, you can have your own degree of PTSD from trichotillomania where you are in chronic fear and worry about being discovered um, and, and, and feeling that shame. And so your subconscious mind, whether you're aware of it or not, your subconscious mind is always checking your environment, always making sure, okay, is my makeup, per is my wig, per like, it's always there. Mm -hmm. It's always there. The fear is always there. So imagine walking around with that kind of stress on your body for five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, mm -hmm. like that creates a pattern. And now what we call post-traumatic stress disorder, it's mm -hmm. stress from a traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I definitely have vivid memories of feeling that way. Like one mm -hmm. thing in high school, I didn't try the fake eyelashes. I did one time I got like extensions, but they looked strange because I had nothing for them to like glue on. Yeah. So it was just like a yeah. thing stuck on my eyelid. Right. Um, but one <laughs> of the things that always freaked me out was I was like, I can't have people like next to me so they can look and see when you look at me head on you know i have the dark eyeliner you can't tell but i would right. not i didn't want people to be able to see my side profile because i just knew they would know mm -hmm. and that was like something i lived with like every day like you said yeah. for years yeah yeah so with that being said it it only reaffirms my understanding that that healing from trichotillomania is a process. It's not something that we can, you know, just flick a light switch, you know, off overnight. Um, we can stop pulling, like it's possible to stop pulling in a short period of time or overnight, like people have done it, but the damage that has been done from the overall experience um, takes longer to heal from. Mm -hmm. um, what's great is that we can heal all of that super painful stuff and still be pulling like we can start the healing process while we're still working through our coping mechanisms mm -hmm. yeah so let's talk about that speech senior year mm. Tell what what brought you to want to share with everyone like that i'm so glad you asked so um I think when I was like a sophomore in high school, we had this super cool guy come to our school. He was a motivational speaker. And I'm sure somebody who watches this will probably know who he is. His name is Mark Elliott. And uh, he's very, very well-known motivational speaker, goes around all over the country. He has Tourette syndrome. And his speech was about coming to terms with his Tourette syndrome and self-love and, you know, confidence and all this kind of stuff. And, um, I saw his speech and it 
it really, really resonated with me because when he talked about his tics being uncontrollable and feeling shame about it, um, it just totally, you know, lined up with my personal experience. And I felt so inspired by him. I actually went up to him after the, the, his speech and I was like, thank you so much. I have trichotillomania. And I was like, waterfall like tears because like at that time my I was so early on in my healing process I couldn't even talk about pulling my hair without sobbing like I couldn't even get get it out mm-hmm. so I told him I was like that was super inspiring and I want to be like you and so it kind of planted a seed in me where from then on it was kind of like a a side goal of mine to to deliver a speech to to all of you know my my classmates and stuff um, back then when I felt like I had some, had to prove myself. So it, you know, all good intentions at all, you know, was all good. But that was when I realized I'm like, I, I need to come out about this. And, um, but it wasn't like right away. Uh, it wasn't until my senior year when I kind of had a personal breakthrough and I, I ended a friendship with a girl who, um, had her struggles with mental health and it was toxic to me. It was kind of, you know, perpetuating my, personality type. Um, and so I kind of went through a small transformation halfway through my senior year and I, um, ended that friendship. And I said, I'm never probably not going to see these people ever again. So this is the perfect time (laughs) to come out about it and just get everything off my chest and leave on a note where I don't, I don't feel like I could have done more. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote a speech and I gave it to a couple of teachers, I think, who were like on the board or something. And they read it and they're like, oh, my gosh, this is so amazing. Um, but we don't feel like it will be received very well by the entire school. So I haven't really thought about this in many, many years. But now that I'm saying it out loud, I very, very much appreciate their discernment about that and their, you know, them being honest about that because they wanted to protect me. They saw how insecure and like how emotional I was about it. And so they didn't want me to be, um, to not get the positive reception that I needed. And that I really wanted. Mm-hmm. So we're like, why don't you give this speech at the leadership retreat? And a leadership retreat was actually, um, it was like a weekend long retreat for, some of the students at my school, you had to apply for this retreat. And there was a whole class. There was a whole class based on just creating this retreat. And it was a class based on leadership. And so they were teaching the students who were creating this whole retreat, this big planned out event, um, teaching them how to lead other students. And they were like, this is the perfect group of students for you to give this speech. They're going to be very positive and very appreciative um, of your message. And so I was like, okay, that's, that's good. And like, and it's a lot less people. (laughs) It'll be like a hundred maybe. Um, and I was like, okay, great. I feel, I feel good about that. So, um, I gave the speech and, uh, well, first of all, I, (laughs) I, we were sitting in a big room and there was a part of the weekend where we were talking about insecurities and they were talking, you know, giving us a pep talk and, you know, trying to guide us through a, a, a self, you know, self-improvement kind of exercise. And, um, and then they were like, we have a special, a special announcement. We have a student here that wants to give you guys a message or give a speech, whatever. I don't remember what they said. 
And, and uh, nobody knew I was going to do this except for the people who had planned the retreat. And so I'm sitting in the middle of a crowd of a hundred of, you know, my fellow peers, older and younger. And um, I stand up and everybody turns around and looks at me and my heart just like sinks. I'm so nervous. And I walk up to the front and one of the teachers, you know, is standing there too to hug me and rec- receive me. Cause as soon as I walk up to the front, I know it's go time and there's no turning back. Like I can't, they made a big deal about this. I can't like just stand up there and say nothing. <laughs> so I, before I even turn my back to face the audience, I'm crying and they're like, you got this, you got this. So I, I walk up to the podium and I give my speech and, you know, tearing up through it. And then I, you know, power through the end, positive message. And they all stand up and they're clapping. And I was so overwhelmed because I did not expect such a positive reaction because I, being that I have some social anxiety and chronic anxiety in general, I just always feel like people are judging me. (laughs) Like, you know, sitting in a room and you're just like, everybody's looking at me. I know I can feel it. (laughs) And so I was expecting this reaction of like, oh my gosh, like either, you know, she's being overdramatic, trying to, you know, be you know attention seeking or that's really weird I was just expecting the worst you know trying to protect myself and um and so when when I had such a positive reaction it was a huge emotional release and I was like wow I was carrying that for so long and I didn't like of course you know in another situation I might not have gotten the same reaction I acknowledge that but I realized in that moment that um for one, I had a lot of healing work to do, and it wasn't just about stopping the pulling. Um, but I also realized just how hard I was on myself for mm-hmm. so long, and it was me. It wasn't other people. It was me. Mm-hmm. Now, did this open up your eyes to, you know, going on social media and, like, speaking openly about that, or was there, like, some years in between before you kind of made those posts online? So I made a couple more posts on social media after that because I was kind of like feeling this boost of confidence and purpose and wanting to share. So I made a couple posts about it. Um, But then I had no desire. And this is kind of, this is kind of interesting now looking back. I had no desire to put myself out there as the trick girl. I like, I, I didn't want that to become my identity. You know how like an artist is, you know, you know, Miley Cyrus is this way, you know, like this person, you know, mm-hmm. is like, I didn't want that to be my identity because I knew who I wanted to be. And I, that didn't seem to fit in the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like let it go after a little while. And I stopped posting about it. And then I went through a period of time where I went back in my shell and I was insecure about it. I went on social media and I deleted all the posts that I made about it and um, tucked it away. I tucked it away again. And I now know that I wasn't done (laughs) with it. Like the speech was great. It was a huge, big moment for me. Um, But that was just the beginning, and I did not want it to be just the beginning. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Later, 
Um, and in fact, it was around the time that I moved out here where I currently live. Um, I, I started having breakdowns regularly. There was a lot of other things going on at the time, but when I would have the breakdowns, this came up for me, like in a very intense way. Mm -hmm. And it was not good feelings. Like it wasn't, you know, oh, I want to get back out there and post about it. It was not that at all. It was like a part of me was dying and was not, um, was suffering greatly. Mm -hmm. And it was screaming out to me. And every so often it would bubble up and just explode into, you know, a panic attack and feeling so, um, like sad inside. Like there was something that was inside me that was really, really sad. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't really place my finger on it. I'm like, maybe it's because I haven't found my career. Maybe it's because like, I, you know, I'm not married with kids, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, no, that's not it. I don't really know what it is. And so I would have these, you know, moments of things coming up for me. And then um, I, I was like, I, I need to address this. This keeps coming up for me. And I, I need to address this. And so I started kind of working through my own self-care, self-help, you know, practices. And I started seeing results from it. Um, excuse me, but I, it didn't like go away. And when it didn't go away after how much effort I was putting into it, I got really frustrated. Mm -hmm. I was like becoming like a second job. And I, I'm like, I don't even want to like acknowledge this anymore, let alone make it something that I, you know, have to work on every single day, you know, all the time. And so I just, I, I dropped it and I was like, I, I, I think in that moment is when I surrendered a little bit. I surrendered to, to trick, to life, to whatever is in control of our life path. And knowing what I know now, that is the secret of yoga is is uh, divine timing and um, and surrender, and like that's a huge, huge aspect to uh, to your yoga practice is is to surrender, surrender to the moment, to what is going on, what's happening, um, and and surrender is a form of acceptance. It's not a giving up of I'm less than or I'm not in control or. Um, or it's not even, it's not even, a, a, there's not even a quality of self-destruction or, or defeat. Surrender is not, does not equal defeat. It's acceptance in its whole and purest form is what it is. But it's been painted as weakness and something that we should, um, we should not give into. <laughs> um, and so anyways, in that moment, I, I surrendered and I said, I don't know how to fix this. Um, and I don't want, I don't want to focus on it all the time. So I, I'm just going to let it be. And with that being said, fast forward to my yoga teacher training. That's kind of when all of the pieces finally came together when, you know, I realized I was on the right track. I, you know, I, I, I was 
doing yoga without doing yoga, <laughs> without knowing I was doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then, and so here I am now. Mm-hmm. And so when you made the yoga account, did you have those, you know, things where you're like, I don't want it to be just about trick or at that point you were kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to, like you said, surrender to it and make this more of a focus. Well, I decided to make it revolve around trick because I need, for one, I needed to, I, I needed to come out again about it. And I did, mm-hmm. I had coming out about it. I posted about it on social media and I said, this time I'm not going back because that didn't get me anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help anybody else to go back to say, Oh, I accepted. I'm okay. You know, blah, blah, blah. And then turn around and then try to ignore it. Mm-hmm. The key is integration. it's integration into your, into your life, into, you know, who you are and your mission and your purpose. Um, Cause I truly believe that we don't, we all have trick for, for a specific reason. Um, you know, it's, and it could be anything is based on the individual. And for me, the, the blessing in disguise for trick so far, and I'm sure there's you know, many more to come was that I was able to combine all, almost all of my passions into, into, into trick yoga, into TTMH yoga, and, and then turn around and help myself and then help my community. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't have that. I, I wouldn't have that, um, that piece without, without trichotillomania. I would probably just be another yoga teacher. Like mm-hmm. that's what me and my, my practice unique. Mm-hmm. And I do so, feel like, go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say, so, so with that being said, that's when I committed to, to posting about it, to posting about trick and, and it's become much more about the hair pulling. It's much more than, you know, just accepting, you know, missing hair and, and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's really about coming back to our true selves. Like it's, it's about loving ourselves, self-care and self-expression is really what it comes down to. Cause that's what you that's what you gain when you recover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like now I'm, you know, I just went to, you know, a job interview and I'm at this job now where I just don't wear fake eyelashes at all. That was like my big thing. I was like, I'm not doing it. Like I'm not, I'm just going to show up like patches, whatever. Yeah. And yeah. had a great response. Uh, you know, no one, they were like, Oh cool. I told them about the book and stuff. But I feel like, you know, before mentally, I would look at myself in the mirror and I'd be like, oh, you're so ugly. Like you look weird. You know, I would really beat myself down. And then Mm -hmm. as I started to embrace it fully and I'm telling everybody about it, like you have a tattoo about it, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at myself and I'm like, oh, you look, you know, you look really pretty. Like it's, it's not having that such a strong hold on how Mm -hmm. I feel about myself as it used to. And I also like, pulled the other day and I was like oh my gosh you know I didn't even care like I, I didn't have that that oh my gosh you're such an idiot you know which I struggled with for so long mm-hmm. I pulled and I was like oh I don't care and I'm still cute you know I just it was such a uh, yeah that difference and I was like wow okay cool I like this better you know this is great yeah <laughs> yeah 100% and that that's what that's what yoga brought to me was that acceptance um, not of like, this is who I am forever. And it's my main identity. It's just that 
this is part of my life story. Like this is part, part of what, you know, what led me to where I am now and where I'm going. Like mm-hmm. it's the acceptance, the acceptance of all, all of the characters, all of the, the obstacles in, in, in the story is what mm-hmm. it is. Oh yeah. And when you started to share again, did you notice, well, both times, did you notice people that you knew tell you, Hey, actually I did the same thing. Uh, I've had a couple, a few people. I've had a few people approach me. Um, but for the most part, it, it's still kind of like rare in my experience. Like mm-hmm. I, I thought there would be more people out around and I know that they're out there, but um, when I came out about it, I really thought that I would have more people come to me about it saying, Hey, I struggle with this too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I noticed um, people that like not at my school, like my high school or anything, none of that, but I've had, you know, my boyfriend's friends, like their girlfriends would say, Hey, you know, I did this for a few years. Something, oh. or, you know, something happened they did it for a few years. They don't anymore, yeah. but they were like, wow, I didn't even know that you did. I'm like, well, no, you know, but I think, <laughs> yeah, I just like the idea that every time, every time I share about it, people want to tell me something like they, they either yeah. say, you know, I, you know, pull, pull my cuticles, you know, people like to pick the skin around their nails or they'll say, I know someone who has it. It's just like, opening that door opens so many others and I'm just like all I want to do is like share about it because then you feel comfortable sharing with me yes 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 and this this is perfect this dovetails into something that I wanted to talk about um I now that I have experience in sharing and I, I have had such a positive you know feedback from it um I I know now that it's more of my duty to talk about it and to share about it than it was to just overcome it. Mm-hmm. And that is another thing that yoga yoga taught me because yoga is about it's a mindset. It's a it's an approach. And when I was approaching my healing of I want to stop pulling tomorrow or, you know, I want to be pull free by the next vacation. You know, we all know that dialogue mm-hmm. in our, <laughs> Oh, it's my 16th birthday. Oh, it's my 18th birthday. Oh, it's, we have a big vacation coming up. Like, Oh, I need to stop pulling by then. When I acknowledged that this is something that's part of my story, I don't know what part it's going to play yet. That's when the healing just skyrocketed. And also my life, my life changed a lot. Like it wasn't just, Oh, I don't have to, you know, worry about this anymore. The way people treated me changed. Like what, what I do on a daily basis changed, like my whole lifestyle, like our, eventually, you know, our, our lives revolve around this thing. If we resist it, mm-hmm. like, I'm sure you've heard the quote, whatever we resist persists. And it's so true because we start building our whole life around how to hide it, how to avoid it, blah, blah, blah. And so we develop all these behaviors and, 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 and quirks and things that we do to shove it out instead of asking it, what can you teach me? What do I need to do for you? Why are you here? Mm -hmm. And 
this has brought me so much relief when it comes to relaxing my expectations of when I'm going to stop. Like I have tips and tricks and things that I do that, you know, prevent me from pulling that get me to stop pulling if I start pulling um, and then help me cope through, you know, like a pulling session. Like I, I don't uh, force myself to, you know, to, to stop pulling. Like sometimes I am like, okay, I could be doing something else. And, you know, I redirect myself, but there's never this self pressure anymore of like, you have to stop. Like mm -hmm. I don't, that on myself anymore and it's because I know that if I embrace it and work with it there's so much more to be gained for myself and for so many other people if I'm talking about it if I'm raising awareness if I'm actively working through it and helping other people work through it um it's just it's it's the silver lining it's 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 the benefit of of the condition Mm -hmm. And I love that you, you know, you keep saying like, I'm working towards things. It always, it is a constant work in progress. And I think a lot of times, you know, I'll get messages of people like, I just want to stop. I just want to. And we're like, you're, it's hard to, it's hard to like accurately give advice to someone that you know, isn't where you are. Like, you know, yeah. I had those, I had years of that. Like, how do I just stop? Like how someone tell me. And then now I'm at a way different place. It's hard to try to, to tell someone, you know, hey, it's going to take yeah. a little bit of internal work before we get to yes. the place where we are now, you know, sharing on Instagram Live and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's healing practices and routines will, will be different because everybody's at a different place in their healing journey. Like I said earlier, when I was a kid, I was so traumatized and so um, unhealed. I was like so suppressed in all of my emotions and everything that I couldn't even speak about it without like just vomiting, like tears and sobbing. And like, you know, I, I was that, I was that reactive. And so mm -hmm. you can't get from here to here. Like you have to like walk there, you know, you have, it's, by step it's day by day sometimes hour by hour um and and the journey isn't always linear sometimes you take detours like me you post about it and then you take it all back and then you post about <laughs> it again. like that's part of the journey and nothing that you could ever do is wrong nothing about your attempts to heal yourself is ever wrong if you make progress and post about it, share about it, or go a month without pulling, and then you relapse, and then you, you know, go back in your shell, that is part of the journey. And that's what I realized when I started meditating a lot more was I was using pulling a lot to avoid things, obviously, mm -hmm. like homework and that kind of thing, but also uncomfortable sensations. That is one of the main things that I've, I've noticed is that pulling is used as an avoidance behavior and we have to learn how to sit with certain emotions that make us uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, not because we should punish ourselves. That is not what I'm saying whatsoever, mm -hmm. but because it has something to teach us. And sometimes our teachers are nice and very gentle and very soft spoken 
and pleasant and inspiring. And sometimes our teachers are just plain mean mm -hmm. and and spontaneous and very, very uncomfortable to listen to <laughs> and very difficult and challenging. And that's what trick can be. Um, but it's because we're avoiding those uncomfortable behaviors. Like the hair pulling is a snowball effect from maybe many different things, <laughs> right? Like it could be trauma, PTSD, anxiety, relationship problems, financial problems. Like it can snowball from a bunch of different things. But when it comes down to it, we have to learn how to be okay with discomfort. And yoga is a very, very effective yet gentle exercise for learning how to do that because you can start as small as you'd like with discomfort um, as far as like holding poses for two seconds longer than you want to <laughs> um, or even just, like getting on your mat is a struggle like that in itself is is uncomfortable. And so having a regular practice where you are priming yourself to, to be able to sit with discomfort, mm -hmm. that is so important. And that is a huge reason why we go back to hair pulling because mm -hmm. it's and familiar and we can use it as a distraction to avoid things that we don't have the tools yet to cope with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, and I, I think even, like, anytime I feel too much of anything, even if I'm, like, super happy, I feel like I, I'll go to pull because I'm, like, trying to, like, soothe it, like, bring it back, right. you know, like, yeah. bring it back because I'm just like, ah, yeah. you know, and I, I just think, you know, all the times that we hear from other people and we hear from, you know, different people with trick, we're able to learn new things mm -hmm. to add to our tricks or toolkit, and I, you know, speaking yeah. with you has been so wonderful, Oh, thank you. I've learned so much. From I would like, you know, I feel like you've so much more and I want to like have you on again because I do have to wrap you up. But, you know, like I would like to have you on again to hear more about what you, you know, all your knowledge and, and your and your journey. So I would, you know, I'm going to message you after this. But is there before we wrap up, is there anything else you would like to to say? Oh, gosh. Well, um, I have like pages and pages of notes, but really the the one thing that I want to leave everybody with um, is, is to not shame yourself. Don't take shame from yourself and don't take shame from other people. It's, it's unnecessary and it, it goes against who you really are because who you really are is a beautiful person, a very strong person who is just going through something that you don't know how to get through. And there's no reason to shame yourself for that, for anything. Mm -hmm. I love that. Holly, you're great. I Thank you so much. This was so much fun. <laughs> Thank you for, for being on, on Trick Talks, and I'm going to message you right after this, so I will talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you again so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.